Hey, Jenny and Levi Lusco here, and we want to welcome you to this Fresh Life Church message archive from the 2020 series. As we're taking time to get ready for this next new year by building faith and asking God to open the eyes of our heart. Throughout this series, we're asking every single person who's a part of and touched by the ministry of Fresh Life Church to consider what God would have you to give in a special year-end offering that we'll be receiving on December 8th. And all across the church, children and families, single people, married people, every kind of person is considering what this ministry means to us and how God's touched our lives through it right. and how we can be a part of expanding the footprint of it and uh, seeing it go into new places and spaces and reach more people. That's right. We're we're so excited for this time together and this this opportunity to get to really um, see what what God's put in us, what he has for us, but then what he wants to do yeah, through us. That's exactly right. And we're, we're just so excited. And that includes you. Whether you watch these messages online or you listen to the podcast, you can be a part of it. We right. love to send you a 2020 kit with everything you need to participate in and be a part of what God's doing. No matter where you live in the country, no matter where uh, you watch these messages, God could use you to help us reach more people. That's right. And in this gift, we have a little um, necklace and really it's just a, a symbol, a token of um, of of seeing the king. So basically it's a little crown and it's really cool. And I have one on here, he has one on. Yep. Um, but just a reminder of above all else, above everything that we wanna see the king, that we wanna see Jesus lead us and use us for his glory. That's right, to get your own 2020 kit, including your beautiful crown necklace that you can wear over your heart as you pray about what God would have you to give in this series and this offering, doing so online, whether that's a gift of $5,000 or $500 or $5, whatever it would take you to use faith and sacrifice to give to be a part of this. This is something we'd love to send to you free of charge. You can get it two ways. Uh, you can either text the number 97,000 and you see it on the screen and include the word giving kit or send an email with your name and address to online at freshlife.church. And we'll send one of these your way that you can so that you can participate in what God's doing here at this church. Yes. Well, enjoy this message from God's word. Well, if you brought a Bible into church with you this weekend, uh, open it with me to Mark chapter eight as we kick off this collection of talks that we're calling 2020. Mark's gospel, the eighth chapter. I wanna bring a message from God's word to you that I'm calling Seeking a Second Touch. Seeking a second touch. We find in verse 22, it says, They and the they is Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida. Someone say Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Would you pray with me? Father, would you help me to clearly communicate what you've so abundantly 
blown my heart away with, caused me to see things differently. I pray you'd help me to get out of the way and help you communicate, let you communicate what you want to, to, to these beautiful people. And I pray that we would never be the same. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Seeking a second touch. You know, there's um, a productivity tip that you could come across, you probably have seen. There's these lists they always put out, you know, Fast Company and Inc. And, you know, everyone's looking for life hacks, way to optimize, way to tweak things. And, you know, there's little things you can do, like, uh, you know, only looking at email within a certain pocket of your day, picking a couple hours where you are only going to really focus on email there, not just letting it be throughout the day. That's, that's probably smart. Picking some websites that, you know, distract you the most and adding them to the block list on your on your on your web browser that you know if they're your go-to just take that out of the way where you go to oh, oh that's right I blocked that and uh, little little things you can do you know and and one of them that you'll come across that I think is actually pretty interesting is is a concept called never touch something twice never touch something twice and and this basically is to say that to the extent that you allow there to be unfinished business you'll always drain your productivity uh, so take a piece of paper like this. If you get handed this paper and this represents some task you got to do, a bill you got to pay, a decision you got to make, once you're handed it and you look at it and you go, oh gosh, I really don't want to do this. I need to, okay, let's, let's put that in a stack of papers over here. But you know you need to do it. Now you go your way. What are you doing? You're going to hand in new papers, but in the back of your mind, you know he's back there. He's back there. And so what, what happens is uh, you've spent two minutes holding it already, and, 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 that, and then the next time you think of it and see it, you go, I need to do that, don't I? Oh, gosh, i got to make a decision about that. So you pick it back up again. And you go, okay, oh, man, I, to do this, I'd have to, oh, I, I need to go do something. And you go do, you do your other thing. And, and here's, here's the problem. Eventually, other things get added to it, and, and, and you'll sort of forget it, but your subconscious won't totally let you forget it. And there will be something, this is the word I had to learn looking into this, niggling at the back of your mind. <laughs> niggling. Niggling is something there that isn't here, just back here. And so you don't think of it very often, but you'll think of it at the least opportune time. Don't you? Oh, that's right. Like just as you're about to fall asleep. That's, that's right. I need. Or driving in your car when you don't have Siri to write something down for you. Like, I need to do the thing. Okay, when I get back to my house, I'm going to do the thing. That's why people tie strings around their finger, right? Don't forget the one thing, right? We read this book to our kids sometimes about Bert and Ernie not forgetting to buy the oatmeal. And they go through this whole shopping thing and they forget to buy the oatmeal, of course, right? We tie the strings around our finger because we forget about the things. And, and so it's niggling at the back of your mind, jumping at the forefront until you go to actually sit down and do it. And you're like, what was that thing I needed to do? You'll think of it, every, is this not true? You will think of it every inopportune moment when you can't act on it, but when you actually need to act on it, then you sit there going, you'll be, you'll be staring at the thing going, I don't remember, there's something I was going to do. Was it, was, it, was it this? Was it, was it this over here? I don't know. Ah, ah, ah. No, 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 you wasted two minutes the first time you picked it up, two minutes the second time you picked it up, probably 11 minutes the four different times you thought about it when you weren't within access of doing the thing, and then about 15 more while you sat there going, what should I be doing? I don't know. Oh, look at that hacky sack. Remember, wonder if I can still do that. Like, what are you doing? Quit playing with your hacky sack. Your college days are gone, all right? Put the hacky sack down. Do your work, right? This is what, this is what you need. You need me in your life just going, hey, hey, put the hacky sack down. Doesn't matter if you can still hacky. Do the thing. 
So the, the idea is the first time you touch it, you're not allowed to put it down until you either do something with it or do something about it. Now, you might not have everything you need because there may have to be some research done. There may have to be a meeting done. But what you're going to do is you're going to do something that causes it to no longer need to be a thing that you have to hold in that you put in your calendar when you're going to decide about it. You put an appointment of a 15-minute block when you're going to make that decision, or you delegate it to someone else, so now it's no longer your problem. Anybody with me on that? Once it's out of your hands, or you've decided when you're going to do something about it, or you just, here's a novel thought, just deal with it. That's going to be so hard. No, it won't. Write the email. No, make a decision. No, do something that causes it. Never, isn't that a great business advice? Never touch something twice. Don't hold that bill twice. Just fold that laundry. Don't touch it twice. Just how I'm going to do it. No, just do it. I need to watch something on Netflix. No, you don't. Just, just, just do it. Right? Never, never touch anything, anything twice. Clearly, Jesus didn't get that memo in this miracle because he's touching this guy twice. So what is going on here, because Jesus was obviously the master leader, if there ever was one. Here he leaves this man in a state with some unfinished business. Apparently, Jesus knows something that we don't often realize, that when it comes to our personal lives, it often isn't like it is when it comes to bills we need to pay or emails that we need to draft it's, or, or meetings that we need to schedule. Oftentimes, when it comes to our soul, the second time's the charm. Oftentimes, when it comes to our life, there's, a, there's, a, there's another stage that we need to enter into. That's what we see. Now, now, before we really unpack that, let's get our bearings here for a moment and just acknowledge the, the power of what we're seeing. The singular nature of this miracle is, 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 is twofold. Number one, it is the only time, Mark's gospel, this miracle is ever given. Some of them are repeated in multiple accounts. You'll be reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're going to see different coverage of the same story, which is powerful because it's almost like getting to see the same story through another set of eyes, and you get different details. But this is the only time we get it. So that means this is rarefied air. That means we got to really just understand, we're not going to see this miracle again in our journey through the Scriptures. We're only going to get this this one time. So that's, that's unique, that Mark is the only one who included it, but it's also unique because this is the only time Jesus ever did a miracle that was in movements, a miracle in movements. He left intentionally <coughs> some unfinished business. He spits on the guy's eyes, which is weird. Let's just call that out for what it is. And he then touches him and says, do you see? The guy's like, I do see. It's just blurry. <laughs> I do see, well, tell me about it. Well, there ever, everything, everything's like, is that Sam? Is that Bill? Should I cut him down? Should I climb up that? Oh, no, 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 no. Like, get, come back over here. Because he saw men like trees walking. So the miracle wasn't done yet, even though Jesus had done his first uh, act of healing. And there was never a single time in all of the scripture where it's recorded that Jesus went to heal someone and then stepped back and it wasn't good. This was like, B-grade work, right? This is factory seconds, you know? This is, this, is, this is not Nordstrom miracle. This is the Nordstrom rack miracle. Like, the guy could see, but not all the way. He could see, but there's going to be a little bit of string sticking out from the, the hemline. You see what I'm talking about here? This is a factory second miracle, and that is, that is noteworthy because Jesus generally does all things well. 
right? This is not the song, you do most things well, right? It's like, no, 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 hold on a second. That's not my God. He doesn't, Jesus stepped back, how is it? How's that miracle? And the guy's like, uh, right? Like, he, I don't, I don't know if I should tell you, but it, it was not a great job that he had, he had done here. So what is, what is happening here? Maybe more importantly, what is not happening here? This is not Jesus needing a mulligan. This is not Jesus having, um, you know, missed. You know, he was tired. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm usually much better. I, I, didn't, I, didn't meet, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. The people, these disciples, the Pharisees be tripping always, right? This, so that's not what's going on here, right? This is not Jesus, you know, missing and having an off Jesus moment. That's, that much is clear. Uh, why, why, why do you say that? I say that because it's clear from the fact that Jesus has all power and does not miss and has never said oops in his entire, you should know that today. Whatever's going on in your life right now, Jesus isn't up there going, oops. <laughs> oh, what was, I, that's right, I had the string tied around my finger, I completely forgot, right? I, I didn't get the oatmeal in your, in your life, okay? So that's, that's not what's happening. Jesus, that means we're only left with this then, this is the obvious and the uncomfortable truth of this text. Jesus meant to mess it up. Jesus meant to mess it up. Jesus meant to heal this guy and was willing to walk, seemingly willing to walk away, leaving the man with unfinished business. Why? Because he always from the beginning intended to touch the man twice. Now, he wanted to heal the man's eyes, which is what his friends were seeking. And let's just take a second and appreciate the fact that this miracle never would have happened if it weren't for the faithfulness of this man's friends. The Bible says, before Jesus took the man by the hand, and how special is that? Jesus taking this man by the hand. Jesus will take you by the hand if you come to him. He wants to hold your hand. He took the man, the Bible says, by the hand and led him outside the village. Why? He had to get the man to a place where he could, he could touch him with faith. Jesus had already sworn off miracles in Bethsaida because he had tried to work there, but he didn't find faith there. And where he does not find faith, he cannot work in power. Not will not, but cannot, the Bible says. He cannot work in a situation like he wants to where there is no faith. He took the man by the hand and took him out. He had to get him out of what was holding him back to where he could work in his life like he wanted to through the faithfulness of the man's friends because, friends, because they came seeking a miracle. And from the beginning of time, he intended to heal this man's eyes, but to do so in stages, to do so in phases to do so one round at a time. Why would that be? Context is everything. In the greater context of this chapter, Jesus has been trying to get the disciples to understand that they are blind. Jesus has been trying to get the Pharisees to understand that they are blind. Jesus has been trying to get the disciples to see that the Pharisees are blind. Why? Because he just did for the second time the feeding of the thousands. First 5,000, then 4,000. And here's a question. What if Jesus wants to do something in your heart today that's not quite the same as what he did in a previous season? I preached one time that the feeding of the 4,000 was perhaps the most dangerous miracle in the Bible because it was possible that they looked at that miracle and went, well, it's 5,000 last time. 
5,000 last time. I'm telling you, life sometimes goes like this and goes like this. And sometimes life goes like this and sometimes life goes like this. And we got to right here go, hey, it was 5,000 last time. It's 4,000 today. Thanks be to God. Come on, thanks be to God. Whatever he's done in our life. He wanted them to see that. He wanted them to appreciate that he's going to, he fed 4,000 because 4,000 showed up. And if, if 5,000, he'd feed them too. And if, if 12,000 showed up, he'd feed them as well. And so we just got to be faithful. Whatever he brings to us, whatever he's doing in our life, whatever he puts in front of us, let's be faithful with that. We don't, we don't want to be those who, who only are willing to do stuff that's big. It's been said, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. So if you can't humble yourself to do 4,000, because that's what's in front of you, you have your mind that you're a 5,000 type person, and next time it better be 6,000, you got to have the spirit that says, whatever you set in front of me, I'm going to faithfully take care of with all my heart. And then the disciples got into a boat, and in the boat, they only brought one loaf of bread with them. They, were riding, they didn't realize how long they were going to be out, and they got hungry, they got hangry, and Jesus, Jesus said, what are you guys talking about? And they said, we're super hungry, but we only got one, one loaf of bread. And Jesus said, you guys got to watch out because there's the yeast of the Pharisees afoot because the Pharisees were just about to, to trip and, and Jesus was just about to get you know, into another fight with them. And, 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 and they go, oh, he's probably mad at us because we didn't bring enough bread. He goes, are you kidding me? You know, I, I, uh, guys, I fed, I fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. You think I'm, I can't feed 12 with one loaf? Like what? And they're like, yeah, he's really mad. We didn't bring enough bread. He goes, you guys, you guys, he, here's what he said. He goes, you guys, you guys can see, but you can't see. You're blind, but you're not blind. And that's what this miracle follows after. So what is he trying to get them and us by larger, broader extension to see? That it's possible to be at a place where you're not quite blind, but you can't quite see. Where you're desperately in need of a second touch that that's what you should be seeking in your life. This man shows and gives a picture to what many people I believe today are living in, content with, and that is you are stuck between touches and you think that that's all there is. Stuck between touches. God touched you at one point, did something dramatic in your life at one point. Unquestionably, this miracle, even when it wasn't all the way there, was still marvelous. He didn't see, and now light streaming into his pupils. He didn't see at all. Now his corneas are being flooded with light to shoot into those pupils, to shoot to the rear wall of his eye that are covered in rods and cones, to broadcast via the octave nerve where it would be transmitted and, and flipped around because everything we see is backwards and everything we see is upside down, but our, the brain does that in real time. And now for the first time in this man's life, he's seeing colors and he's seeing light and he's looking around. If you've never saw to see blurry, still better than nothing. And so we, many of us have had God work in our life in a marvelous way. We were dead, now we're alive. We were blind, now we can see. We don't see like we should see, but we see and that's a dangerous place to be. Because you can be so mesmerized by the colors of what you've seen that you stop asking to see more. Stuck between touches. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, Spiritual Depression, has a whole chapter on this miracle. And he says, and I quote, many people seem to know enough about Christianity to spoil their enjoyment of the world, and yet they don't know enough to feel happy about themselves. Stuck between touches. Not quite blind, but you can't quite see. Men look like trees, but you, you're not blind anymore. And so you could stop there and, and, and be frozen there, partially developed, not completely finished, and walk away half done. 
This is the danger that the author of Hebrews addressed in his letter when he wrote, the, the author of the Hebrews, you're like, who wrote it? I don't know. Some people think, Paul, what do you think? That matters as much as what I think. Exactly. We don't know. So come on. Let's leave the preschool finger painting exercise. Man, how condescending is this? It does sound like Paul. That guy was sassy. So come on, guys. He's like, he's a believer. They thought they were so mature, but they're walking around looking at trees. They're like, oak, elm, fir, aspen. He's like, come on, guys. Let's leave the finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. So grow up in Christ. Come on, someone say, grow up. Say it to your neighbor. Grow up. Say it to yourself. Grow up. Is anybody with me? I want more. I want to see God do more. I don't want to sit there finger painting when I can work on something special. I don't want to get stuck between touches. Yeah, I'm grateful for what God did in my life then. I want to see him do something brand new. I want to step out in faith again. I want to see God do something, something special in my life. Paul was addressing this in Corinth a lot. The church in Corinth was full of babies. They needed to be eating meat, but they were just stuck on milk, stuck between touches. They thought that's all there was. They thought that what God had done in opening their eyes was all he was willing to do. And he said this to them. This is the message translation. You stare and stare at the obvious, but you can't see the forest because everything looks like Trees. I see trees. I just see trees. You see, Jesus says, he says, I see trees. I see people like trees. Doesn't see the big picture. Doesn't see the bigger story. Just sees trees. Trees are things you use. A forest is a place you can be. Doesn't see the bigger picture of being a part of what God's doing. Just sees the trees. You stare and stare at the obvious, but you don't see what you're looking at. You're blind, but not blind. You can, you can see, but you don't see. You're stuck between touches. You think you've experienced all there is, but God over here has something that you couldn't even possibly, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of a man what God has prepared for those who love him. Where, where, where are a lot of people stuck today? They're stuck at the spit. Saved, have perception, have been introduced, and are trucking along. Spit. Saved, have perception, have been introduced, and are trucking along. Stuck in the spit. I find it interesting that rabbinical, nature, rabbinical literature from the day talks that, uh, of people believing that, that medicinal qualities were found in the saliva of respected rabbis. It was thought that like your mama, nothing couldn't be fixed with some spit. <laughs> Don't you hate when your mom does that? Don't, there's nothing worse. But we do the same thing. You burn your finger. drives me crazy. My family believes that a 
brain freeze can be cured by pressing your thumb to the roof of your mouth. So I get brain freezes real easy. I always have. I have a real, I have a real like low threshold for cold. And if I get like anything can set me off. Like it could be like not even that cold. And I'm like, ah, brain freeze. My family just sees me in agony. And you know, when you're having a brain freeze, you just want to shut the world out. People will be telling you things to do. And you're like, I want you to stop talking to me. I just need this to go away. I'm trying to go to my quiet, happy place at the moment, like in Happy Gilmore, where the crocodile there is there and Chubbs is there and grandma's there, right? I'm just, I just need for a second just to go home. I'm not too good for my home. Just, just leave me. And then, and then you're fine. You're, you're fine like it never happened. Then you're like, what's the matter? Why are you looking at me weird? Because you were contorted on the ground, crying in the fetal position, begging for your mother to come lick your wounds. You know what I'm saying? My family believes if you stick your thumb to the roof of your mouth, but I feel like I just cannot come to a place where I'm willing to suck my thumb to heal anything. I'd almost rather have a brain freeze than suck my thumb. Your pride, Levi, is your problem. Um, so so here's, here's the thing. Jesus was using what people thought was secure. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? I could see. It's like when Jesus later said to the disciples, who do, who do men say that I am? Just, just, just right after this passage, matter of fact. We looked at that last week. Who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say that you're this. Some say that you're that. What, that's basically like spit in their eye. That'll get you so far. What, what people are saying about Jesus, he's not just a normal guy is the idea. Duh, he's a water walker, miracle worker, crowd feeder, eye opener, dead raiser. You know, some people think he's a really good guy. Not, not like any guy you've ever met before. That'll get you, that'll get you looking like trees. I see enough to know that, that he's not normal. He's not, he's not that's, you don't see the forest yet. You don't really see what's happening here. You can't just stop at who Jesus is said to be by the people. You gotta see who he says he is for himself. You gotta see who God has declared for him to be only then. <laughs> only then. You gotta see it for yourself. Only then will you see the bigger picture. God doesn't want you to stop at just being saved. He wants you to be sent. He doesn't want you to stop at just having perception. He wants you to have perspective. He doesn't want you just to be introduced to Jesus. He wants you to move forward in your walk with Jesus. He doesn't want you just to be trucking along. How's your walk? I'm just trucking along, just one day at a time, just hanging in there, just barely surviving. Come on, he wants your grace to be full. He wants you to abound. He wants you to have joy that's overflowing. Well, you know... Just, just, just trust in God. No, come on. Who's believing with me for your head to be anointed with some oil in the coming days? Who's believing me for a 2020 where God's prepared a table for you to eat at in the presence of your enemies? Come on, people who criticized you today are going to one day watch as you get promoted, watch as you get exonerated, watch as you get exalted. Come on, who's believing with me that God has a plan? That you haven't seen all there is to see. There's another touch for you. There's another touch that's coming. God has more in store for you. Don't get stuck at the first touch. Don't get, don't get stuck between the phases. Because what happens is when we get disillusioned, listen to me, we eventually can become jaded. We get disillusioned. We, 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 we saw and we, the, the novelty of just seeing wore off. And eventually, we have to be honest with ourselves and go, things are blurry. I can't see stuff clearly. I'm bumping into stuff. I can't tell enemy from friend. And eventually, we'll, we'll go, is this all there is? I've been walking with Jesus for 15 years. Is this all that there is? I've been, I've been faithfully trying in my marriage. Is this all there is? 
I didn't think I'd, I, it would be this hard after this many years. I didn't think it would be this challenging after this long. I didn't, I didn't think I'd, I'd still be here. I, I didn't think I'd still be struggling with this. I'd, eventually, if we give in to the disillusionment, we'll become jaded and we'll be skeptical of anybody who is experiencing more in their walk with Jesus than we are. Those who can't hear always hate those who dance. And those who can't see always are dismissive of the experience of those who can't. And so we can get to a point where, where we are hypercritical of anybody who's experienced more, or worse, we'll pretend we can see what we don't. We'll just fake it. You see that face? Yeah, I see that face. Looks like a tree. But we'll just say, yeah, I love lovely color. Sunset's wonderful. We'll just fake it. And the danger of faking it is then you become arrogant and you become prideful and you become then cynical and ironically you become hyper judgmental oftentimes it leads to legalism a fake spirituality where you're you're conjuring up a relationship with god that you don't actually have that that will then lead to this hyper pharisaical legalistic i can't believe you watched that movie someone who's seen the colors that i have would never watch such a filthy movie i can't believe oh you oh wow hmm hmm I remember when I used to not be able to see, bam. Ah, yes, I remember that. That was terrible. Why, why do you have like a bloody nose? You just walked into a tree. You mean Bill? Hmm. Right? It's like, wait. <laughs> that was my friend. Your friend's a tree. Yes. I can't believe you didn't know that. Hmm, you must not walk with God like I do. Right? Like your arm always like trailing behind you. Hmm. Why is your arm hanging behind you? I don't know. What do you mean? Like this great, listen, that, that's, what, that, that's what happens. And that's how you hear these stories of people who are, who are preaching this intensely legalistic, got to be like me to be perfect gospel. You find out on the inside, it's just brokenness, just lies. There was no truth to any of what they were experiencing. There wasn't the sweetness of humility and the genuineness of just being awestruck by the wonder of what God's shown you. So God doesn't want you to be disillusioned what does he want for you? He wants you to be dissatisfied. Dissatisfied. Now, that, 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 that's going to stretch some of your comfort level because you're thinking of all the verses right now in your head because you got them all memorized because you've been up since four in the morning having your quiet time in the original Hebrew, and you're thinking through verses like, be content with such things as you have, for I will never leave you. I know that's in Hebrews too. I read the Bible one time also, but I'm also aware of the fact that our God oftentimes gives you less than he wants you to have, hoping that you'll ask him for more. So right now in your life, you are meant to strive for more than you currently possess. A man's reach should always exceed his grasp when it comes to what God's done. That's why Paul was reaching towards the finish line, reaching, striving, stretching towards. Why? Not, he wasn't content with what he had done. He had, wasn't content with what he had seen. He wanted all that God had for him because a humility will tell you that if God does have plans for you, those plans are likely bigger than what you've currently seen, accomplished, seen, done. It's probably more than you've seen of his character, more than you've seen of his goodness. So you should always be eager to see everything that he wants for you, to not miss out on a single thing. Come on, it's not a cheap trick. He wants you to want him. He needs you to need him. You don't today have everything God wants you to have. You have everything you've asked for and not a bit more. Now, if you, if you have a hard time reconciling this, I'll, I'll remind you that we have a God who always serves us our daily bread. 
And that means yesterday's bread is, is gone and eaten. Today, you got to ask for something new. You got to ask for that second touch. You got to seek the second touch. You got to seek the next face. If you're saying, if you're saying today, I thought, is this all that there is? God's saying, yep, in that stage, good thing I'm a God of the new. I'm about to open up a brand new season. If you're willing, if you're willing to be dissatisfied and not grow disillusioned, you can come to a place where you'll go, is this all that there is? I thought there would be more. And God's right there with you going, I was waiting for you to ask. Do you feel dry today? Are you tired today? Do you feel like you're at the end of your stuff today? Good. That means you're dissatisfied. You're ready for God to fill you again, use you again, speak to you again, show you something new. What does it take to get there? To get to what? To where? Well, to get to where Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes again. Let's look at it. But let's look at it in a, in a fresh translation. It says, Jesus, verse 25, he put his hand on the man's eyes. And what? The man looked and realized he had recovered perfect sight. He saw everything you could say in bright 2020 focus. Come on, thank Jesus today that the second touch has more than the first touch did. He was holding back. Jesus was holding back his power. He could have touched him the first time without the spit. He could have healed him when the spit hit his eyes. You can't spell hospital without spit, y'all. Good one, Jenny. He could have healed him without a word. He could have healed him without coming near him. He could have healed him while he was still in his bed. He, Jesus, Jesus can do anything. If anything, the fact that in the scriptures, he never heals the same way twice is just so we have to keep living by faith. So here's, here's this man, and he gets 2020. Why does he get 2020? Because of number one, candor. Candor. He had to be honest. He had to be vulnerable. Here's Jesus, who's the busiest guy who's ever lived. So busy, he should never touch anything twice. And he gives a minute to this man. Because his friends ask, he, Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I'll drop everything. Walks him outside the village hand in hand. Isn't this so sweet? This is my Jesus. This is my Jesus. This is the Jesus that is in the scripture, not the Jesus, not the Jesus you heard about as a kid who's mad at you. He's, this is the Jesus who takes you by the hand because you can't see and walks you outside the village. He'll meet you right where you are today. Are you struggling today? Are you, are you still working off a hangover today? Were you up late looking at porn last night? He'll take you by the hand. Come on, he loves you right now. Is your marriage in tatters today? Are you struggling with same-sex attraction today? Have you had an abortion? He'll take you by the hand. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He's got grace for you. He's madly in love with you. He takes him by the hand, walks him outside the city, and touches him, spits on him. Takes all this time. And G the guy can see. And Jesus says, how is that? We have no indication he let on that anything more was in store. It almost like he's ready to walk away. Is that good? Like packing up his equipment. You know, the doctor, like, all right, how is that? All right, glad, glad we got that. How is, it? how is it, by the way? You liking your new eyes? The guy's at a difficult spot. Have you ever got a gift you didn't like? It's great. It's great. You like that? Hmm? The worst of the people who can't quit it. And they'll ask you super specific questions down the road. How's that fitting? Great. From when I tried it on right before I gave it away, but first I took a picture to send you to show you I love it. Never loved it more. Never loved anything more, right? And like, they come to you and ask, where is it? Like, will you stop it? Don't ask. It's, uh, it's being washed today. Oh, let's go to the washing machine. I use an outside cleaner. I have a car. You're like, whoa. <laughs> 
Because you don't want to go, you know what? It was a terrible gift. But this man, there was candor for him to go, you know what? Honestly, Jesus, you heal me all right, but not that good. You heal me all right, Jesus, but I reckon you got more. You did, you did a real good thing, and I'm really grateful to see and all. But I'm going to be candid enough to say to you, Jesus, I want more of you. I want more. I want, I want you to touch me again. I only see like trees. I'm going to admit I'm blurry still. You can't help be helped to see until you admit you can't all the way see. And pride would have kept this man going, yes, I see colors. I see everything. It's fantastic. But he was willing to admit what he couldn't see, faces that he wanted to see, loved ones. I wrote it down like this. God wants you to be dissatisfied with your current level of spiritual sight and to to be candid with him about that and to not pretend like everything's rosy when you wish you could see more than you could see. It's not fine. How's that miracle? All right? He's like stifling a laugh. Is it pretty good? You like that miracle? (laughs) You like those new glasses I got you? And the guy was willing to go, it's not fine. Y'all, I'm praying that during the weeks of this series that God will awaken in our hearts a spirit that says, it's not fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. Come on, there's lots of things happening in our city and in our world that are not fine. And that's why God has awakened us. That's why God has called us. Yeah, we're grateful for the seats filled with people today who have heard, but we want more people to hear. To the other cities we must go, to the other places we must preach. Come on, we want to help people. We want to heal people. We want to see God do more. Come on, it's not fine. He's done a lot, but it's not fine. We want him to do more. It takes candor, and then, y'all, it takes moxie. It takes moxie to say to the Son of God that I want you to do more. I want a double portion of your anointing. I want you to touch me once, that's great, but I want you to touch me again because we feel like I don't want to trouble the Most High God. I don't want to trouble him. He's already done this much. I don't deserve anything he's done. So how dare I ask him to do more? Here's why. He wants you to. He told you to. He dares you to. He waits for you to. He wants you to wrestle with him all night and say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You told me you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You told me that eye has not seen or ear has ear has heard. You told me that the stars in the sky are going to. So I'm going to meet you at the level of your promise and not a, not a bit less. I was in Pittsburgh this week and it was, I was reminded while being there of the start of the Lewis and Clark voyage. And they, it just was in this last year, was recognized finally for the official starting line. It's been thought to be St. Louis forever, but they actually started in Pittsburgh. It was in Pittsburgh that Lewis was informed Clark would join. It was in Pittsburgh the keel boat was made. Only it took a long time because the boat builder, was a, boat builder was a drinking man. And so I got real frustrated with that. It was in Pittsburgh. They actually set out from Pittsburgh. They began the 9,000-mile trip that would lead to Oregon, crossing through three of the states where we have locations, by the way. 
real interesting to me to look at this voyage and see some parallels to some things that God has for us in the coming days. But, but, but I was thinking about, about how uh, when, just before he left, he had all the provisions he had packed and he had bought, you know, bought and brought all the things he thought they would need. But then Thomas Jefferson gave him a letter because he didn't know if they were going to run out by the time they got to the coast and need to re- resupply from a, sh- a trading ship they might encounter or a village they might come through and be, have no food and have no clothes from this nearly four-year-long voyage across the country. 9,000 miles, boats and on foot, going through the Bitterroot Mountains, coming out just shy of Missoula, all the things, all the places, and just broaching on Yellowstone down there and, and, and getting to Oregon finally, just thinking about how, how really, if you look at their, their part on the, on, the, on the journey where they went through places where we are ministering, it's the only place where it's like zigzag, zigzag, zigzag all over the place. Everything's like pretty easy, just floating along. It's like, ah, yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> But Thomas Jefferson gave him a letter. I want to show it to you. In the letter, it said this. It said, I ask of consuls, merchants, and citizens of any nation to furnish you with those supplies which your necessities may call for. I, Thomas Jefferson, President of the United States of America, have written this letter of general credit for you, and with my own hand, I have signed it with my name. This letter, this document, Clark guarded the entire journey and kept in oilskins to keep water out, has been called the most comprehensive letter of credit ever issued in the history of the United States. There was no cap. He says, with this letter, you buy anything and my president will pay you back. With this letter, you take anything you need from anybody you meet along the way and my dad will pay you back. Jefferson's nickname throughout the whole voyage was father. Come on, I'm going to buy it because my father's going to pay for it. How many of you understand the spirit Spiritually speaking, you got to have some moxie to order some things that... Does not Ephesians tell us that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ? Does not the Bible tell us that Jesus said, ask and you shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened to you? Perhaps the reason you have not is because you've asked not. We got the letter. We got the credit. Come on, we can say to anything, put it on my father's bill. I'm trusting God for you to move mountains in Jesus' name. I'm believing that the sick are going to be healed, that the blind are going to see. I'm believing that the dead in sins are going to raise to life in Christ, and I'm believing that I'm going to see, see more clearly, see more specifically, that I'm not just going to get stuck at the trees, but I'm going to see the forest. Takes moxie, though, to step out in faith, and it takes courage, courage to persist when there are delays, courage to choose the right people to do life with. The text says in another translation, he warned him, you must not go back into the same village, meaning you could get sucked back into a life devoid of faith there. Courage to do for others what your friends have done for you. This man was brought. Would he now step out and bring? Would he spend the rest of his life given over to bringing people to Jesus or just walk around excited about the fact that he had been brought to Jesus? Someone brought you to Christ. Someone invited you to this church. Someone sacrificed to open up the building that you're sitting in. Someone paid to pave the way for you to watch this online broadcast. I believe the first touch is a a moment where you say, I can see. But I believe the second touch is that all-important moment when you can say, I can see others. In the first touch, It's about what you can see. In the second touch, it's who you can see. 
The first touch is God doing something for me. The second touch is now, God, you're going to do something through me. Courage to not give up. And sacrifice. We're going to end here. Sacrifice. Take sacrifice to get to the second touch. You're like, I don't, I don't know if I see that. I see it in the word hands. The most repeated word in this text is hands. Jesus took him by the hand, touched his eyes with his hands. And then after it didn't work, he touched him once again with his hands, the hands of Jesus. Those same hands that touched this man's eyes would be nailed to a tree, sacrifice to get to a second touch. Our hands would be connected to the Father through Jesus, who on one side would touch us and on the other side would touch the Father. It was only when that second touch was in place that we would be able to see. It was his sacrifice that allowed us to not be blind but to see. Sacrifice should be followed by sacrifice. Those who have been given much must always pivot and be willing to give. Been given everything, we must be willing to give, which is why our 2020 series will culminate in a special, exceptional year-end offering for expansion, a year-end offering for faith, a year-end offering for vision, a year-end offering where we say, God, I am content with all you've done for me, but I'm not finished. I'm dissatisfied in that you've promised to do more. And so I want to step out courageously. I want to step out with moxer. I want I'm with, with moxie, with candor, with, with, with an invigorated, stirred up faith, with a desire to see you do more. On the weekend of December 8th, all across the Fresh Life Church, families and single people and kids and teenagers and, and widows and, and people doing real well and people not doing real well are gonna take a, a gesture of faith, a step of faith to bring an offering to say, I want to put something into the hands that were nailed to the cross for me, to say as a declaration of my dependence, I want to see God do more. I want to see God open my eyes. I love that we, we call this message seeking a second touch. Seeking. Seek, seeking. Seeking. The man, the man could not see people, he just saw them like trees. So that means he only saw blurry outlines because at a distance he saw trees, silhouettes. But then Jesus said, all right, come here. I'm gonna give you what I really wanted you to have all along. I was just waiting for you to ask for it. What you wouldn't have had if you'd have stopped there. And he put his hands on the man's eyes again. And now for real, for real, he healed him. And as the fingers pulled away, for the first time, this man saw a face, the first face he ever saw was the face of Jesus. See King, seeking. They came seeking a miracle. What he got was seeing the King. And I'm believing, I'm believing that as we come seeking God to do something miraculous, we're gonna see the King like never before. We're gonna see the King. Come on, we're, what are you seeking? We're seeking Jesus. 
We're seeking his plan. We're seeking his promises. We're seeking his presence. We're seeking provision. Come on, on your feet all across the church. Come on, we're seeking Jesus in these weeks. We're seeking Jesus in this offering. We're seeking Jesus to work in our marriages and our families and our children and our grandchildren. We're seeking Jesus to move through the generations, through the years, in our country, in this land, in this world. Come on, we're seeking the king. So would you with me, I'm gonna put on the screen the words to a hymn. This was written by the brother of the famous American poet, Henry Longfellow. His brother Samuel, lesser known, penned the words to a hymn that I would love for all across the church for us to say out loud two different times. Come on, the first time, just feel the rhythm of it. And the second time, really believe it and speak it out over our church in this new season like a prayer. The words say, and we'll say it out loud together, Holy Spirit, truth divine, dawn upon this soul of mine, word of God and inward light, Wake my spirit, clear my sight. Come on, with hands raised. Holy Spirit, truth divine, dawn upon this soul of mine. Word of God and inward light. Wake my spirit, clear my sight. Amen. In Jesus' name, may we see.